0: Welcome to Mana for Breakfast with Pastor Bill Martin of Calvary Chapel, Puerto Vallarta. This daily Bible reading devotional chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. We've been moving through the Old Testament chronologically, and so hopefully you guys are able to um, follow along with what we've been doing. We just finished the book of Nahum, and we're gonna move on today as we move on into Second Chronicles. We're gonna pick up Second Chronicles in 33, so hopefully this is still in the same timeframe of what we just saw with Nineveh, but something happening in the south. So before we do that, let's look at the dad joke for today. Did you hear the joke about the wandering nun? (laughs) She was a roaming Catholic. (laughs) Yes, siri. Maybe that's how they got their name. Just kidding. Okay, Father, thank you for this morning. And thank you for gathering us around your word. We sit at your feet, God, we listen, we desire to understand the reason why you wrote these things down for us. And we know it's important to know our history. It's important to know how you developed the knowledge of who you are as creator and Messiah and redeemer, deliverer, savior, and how people responded. So God, we desire not to make the same mistakes, but we desire to receive and appreciate God what you've made for us, what you have provided for us in the way of our salvation and the knowledge of our salvation. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Manasseh succeeds Hezekiah in Judah, Second Chronicles 33. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. According to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord dispossessed before the sons of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had broken down. He also erected altars for the Baals and made a and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. He built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, My name shall be in Jerusalem forever. For he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. He made his sons pass through the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnon. And he practiced witchcraft, used divination, practiced sorcery, And dealt with mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Verse 7. Then he put the carved image of the idol which he had made in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen from all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever and I will not again remove the foot of Israel from the land which I have appointed for your fathers. If only they will observe to do all that I have commanded them, according to all the law, the statutes, and the ordinances given through Moses. Verse 9, thus Manasseh misled Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nation's whom the Lord destroyed before the sons of Israel. Verse 10, the Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they paid no attention. Therefore the Lord brought the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria against them. And they captured Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze chains and took him to Babylon. When he was in distress, he entreated the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. When he prayed to him, he was moved by his entreaty and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem, to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Now, after this, he built the outer wall of the city of David, on the west side of the Gihon, in the valley, even to the entrance of the fish gate, and encircled the Orphel with it and made it very high. Then he put army commanders in all the fortified cities of Judah. He also removed the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord, as well as all the altars which he had built on the mountain of the house of the Lord, and in Jerusalem, and he threw them outside the city, and he set up the altar of the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it, and he ordered Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Verse 17, nevertheless the people still sacrificed in the high places, although only to the Lord their God, Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh, even his prayer to his God, and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Behold, they are among the records of the kings of Israel. His prayer also, and how God was entreated by him, and all his sin, his unfaithfulness, and the sites on which he built high places, and erected the Asherim and the carved images before he humbled himself, behold, they are written in the records of the Hosei. So Manasseh slept with his fathers, and they buried him in his own house. And Ammon, his son, became king in his place. Verse 21. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord as Manasseh his father had done, and Ammon sacrificed to all the carved images which his father Manasseh had made, and he served them. Moreover, he did not humble himself before the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. But Ammon multiplied guilt. Finally, his servants conspired against him and put him to death, in his own house. But the people of the land killed all the conspirators against King Ammon, and the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his place. Chapter 34. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways Of his father David, and did not turn aside to the right or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherim, the carved images, and the molten images. They tore down the altars of the Baals in his presence and the incense altars that were high above them. He chopped down also the Asherim, the carved images, and the molten images. He broke in pieces and ground to powder and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. Then he burned the bones of the priests on their altars And purged Judah and Jerusalem and the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, even as far as Naphtali, in their surrounding ruins, he also tore down the altars and beat the Asherim and the carved images into powder and chopped down all of the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem, verse 8. Now, in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and Maseiah, an official of the city, and Joah, the son of Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. They came to Hilkiah, the high priest, and delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites had the doorkeepers had collected from Manasseh and Ephraim and from all the remnant of Israel and from all Judah and Benjamin and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Verse 10, Then they gave it into the hand of the workmen who had the oversight of the house of the Lord and the workmen who were working in the house of the Lord used it to restore and repair the house. They, in turn, gave it to the carpenters and to the builders to buy quarried stone and timber for couplings and to make beams for the houses which the kings of Judah had let go to ruin. The men did the work faithfully with foremen over them to supervise. Jehath and Obadiah and the Levites, the sons of Merari, Zechariah and Meshulam of the sons of the Kothites, and the Levites, all who were skillful with musical instruments. They were also over the burden bearers and supervised all the workmen from job to job. And some of the Levites were scribes and officials and gatekeepers. Verse 14, when they were bringing out the money, which had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah, The priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. Hilkiah responded and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. Then Shaphan brought the book to the king and reported further word to the king, saying, Everything that was entrusted to your servants, they are doing. They have also emptied out the money, which was found in the house of the Lord, and have delivered it into the hands of the supervisors and the workmen. Moreover, Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest gave me a book, and Shaphan read it. In the presence of the king, and when the king heard the words of, Of the law, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Asiah, the king's servant, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book which has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord, which is poured out on us because our fathers have not observed the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. Huldah the prophetess speaks. Verse 22, then Hilkiah and those whom the king had told went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tokath the son of Hashra, the keeper of the wardrobe. Now, she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke to her regarding this. She said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am bringing evil on this place and on its inhabitants, even all the curses written in the book of which they have read in the presence of the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place, and it shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus you will say to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel regarding the words which you have heard. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants, because you humbled yourself before me, tore your clothes, and wept before me, I truly have heard you, declares the Lord. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, so your eyes will not see all the evil which I will bring on this place and on its inhabitants. And they brought back word to the king. Then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the Levites, and all the people from the greatest to the least. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord." 31, then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant written in this book. Moreover, he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand with him. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers, Josiah removed all the abominations from all the lands belonging to the sons of Israel and made all who were present in Israel to serve the Lord their God throughout his lifetime and did not turn from following the Lord God of their fathers. So, so much could be said here. We, we've already gone through this in 2 Kings a lot, so you know most of this information. What's astounding to me is how content is more important than ritual and form they had the ritual down of how to sacrifice in the temple but because they did not have the word of god over the preceding decades and decades going into hundreds of years when they lost track of the law of the writings of moses of the pentateuch first or the torah however you want to refer to it i um, i'm astounded how did they lose track of that How did Hilkiah the priest not have a copy and know about it or been intimately associated knowing what it said? He didn't even seem to know. They didn't even seem to know that they were sinning against God. They didn't even seem to know that worshiping these other gods in the temple itself was wrong. It had been roughly 200 years-ish that the temple had been, I think, in existence, but it had certainly been. They had been drifting off into apostasy This is why these kings had allowed it to fall in disrepair, and they needed to repair it. And we're seeing kind of a little bit of the same thing going on with uh, Assyria and Nineveh. But because they had had good kings that had brought the people back into worship of Yahweh, had remembered him, they had repented, he was forestalling their judgment. And Hezekiah was one of these that didn't repent. He was doing a great thing rebuilding the temple, remodeling it. But that's pointless unless you know how to worship, unless you know the true creator God and the God of the temple. And so God allows the book of the law to be found. And they've all done wrong. They, they realize they have not had the copy. They didn't know the content, sadly. Man, And any time you get involved in religious ritual, you lose the content. You lose what the Bible actually says. You start worshiping the ritual and the outward form and all the building and the stuff, rather than the one that we are meant to worship, which is the Lord God. Been the problem with the Catholic Church. Also with some mainline denominational Protestant churches. It's all about going in with the right robes and the right candles and the right altars and doing this and losing complete connection with the God that we are to worship. So devastating. All right, Acts 23 now, picking up verse 16. But the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush, and he came and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, lead this young man to the commander, for he has something to report to him. So he took him and led him to the commander and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me to him and asked me to lead this young man to you, since he has something to report. To tell you, the commander took him by the hand and stepping aside, began to inquire of him privately. What is it that you have to report to me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down tomorrow to the council as though they were going to inquire somewhat more thoroughly about him. So do not listen to them for more than 40 of them are lying in wait for him who have bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they slay him. And now they are ready and waiting for the promise from you. So the commander let the young man go, instructing him, Tell no one that you have notified me of these things. Verse 23, And he called to him two of the centurions and said, Get 200 soldiers ready by the third hour of the night to proceed to Caesarea. With 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen, they were also to provide mounts to put Paul on and to bring him safely to Felix, the governor. And he wrote a letter having this form. Claudius Lysias to the most excellent governor, Felix. Greetings. When this man was arrested by the Jews and was about to be slain by them, I came up to them with the troops and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman, and wanting to ascertain the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council and I found him to be accused over questions about their law, but under no accusation deserving death or imprisonment. When I was informed that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, also instructing his accusers to bring charges against him before you. So the soldiers, in accordance with their orders, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. But the next day, leaving the horsemen to go on with him, they returned to the barracks. When these had come to Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor. They also presented Paul to him. When he had read it, he asked from what province he was. And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing after your accusers arrive also, giving orders for him to be kept in Herod's Praetorium. And of course, we know that was going to be a long time before they came down, So anyway, the whole issue here is Paul is decreed by God, basically, to go to Rome. So he's getting a king's escort to Caesarea, mounted with 200 of these guys, 70 horsemen. He's he's surrounded. And I know it's, it's kind of comical. He's going as a prisoner, but he's riding like a king, going in there with all this protection. God is surrounding him because he is bringing the message of salvation now to these kings he's going to be meeting now, and then he's going to go on to Rome. This this whole time in Paul's life is now going from the common Gentile to the leaders of the nations and bringing the gospel to them so that they would know that there was a king of kings. And so this is now Paul's ministry. He's going to spend a lot of time in prison there in Caesarea, but he's going to do some amazing writings. God is going to give him some time off to write some books and, uh, so that his message would go out to the entire world, not to the kings of the world, but to all the kings through all times and all peoples. So this is it's a tough road for Paul, but it's a phenomenal ministry move as he's now going to be bringing the gospel to all parts of the world, and we are beneficiaries of that. Okay. So we are going to end that today. We had some long readings, so we're just going to cut it, um, I think, there and uh, spend this time praying. Father God, thank you for allowing us this time that we can come and read your word and glean these truths, realizing that men like Paul were fearless to bring your word to a lost and dying generation. So we pray that those Palestinians, those people in Gaza that know you, God, we know that there are people that know you, but they, to speak up would be to, to be at risk of their life. But may you use them and surround them by your angels and bring them to the point where they can share with some of these terrorists, that they'd be able to share the word of life. God, we pray for supernatural things to happen, visions to happen, to these people there in Israel, both Jew, both Muslim, that they would see visions and understand who the King of Kings is and who is the one that's coming back to judge the world, who is the real Messiah. So, Father, we pray that we know this is part of the end times, it's part of prophecy. We pray, God, for a great harvest and that you'd be moving in a dynamic way. Speak through ministry leaders, Joe Rosenberg, Amir Safadi, uh, different people, God, that are being used over there that are Jewish themselves, that are Messianic, that know you in a powerful way to help people make sense of what's going on, to help the Jewish government make sense of what's going on, know how to deal with it in even the Islamic world and the Palestinians, those strong believers that are there that can help them come to know and make sense of what's happening. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Father. Thank you for all that you're doing for us and the way you're guiding us in all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Manna for Breakfast with Pastor Bill Martin. We hope that this podcast has been a blessing to you. For more information about our ministries, visit our website, calvarypv.com. Please join us again tomorrow as we continue reading through God's word.